All right. Well, for those of you who don't know, I'm, uh, I'm Tony Stauffer. I'm married to the beautiful Christina Stauffer, sitting up here up front. Um, we've been a part of the church for about 10 years, and we are on the transitional leadership team. Uh, as we uh, are in between senior pastors, and uh, I'd encourage you all to come out um, next uh, or uh, today at 12:30. Come out to the town hall where we're going to talk a little bit more about about that pastor search and, and where we're at in that process and how you can be involved. Uh, today we're going to be talking about relationship with Jesus. Um, one of the one of the things that we talk about uh, in our in our movement, Antioch movement, is we talk about five circles of a healthy church, and the very first one is me and Jesus. We talk about life groups and discipleship. We talk about a Sunday morning gathering. We talk about missions. But the most foundational principle of all of that is our personal relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to be spending a couple of weeks talking about what that means. Um, so I, I thought it would be good just to start off with what does it mean to have a relationship with God? We talk about, well, we value, we value relationship over religion. But, but what does that mean? What does that look like? You know, if we look, if we look at Scripture... Uh, you know, we can see in the Old Testament some pictures of this. We see a picture of Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall. We see them actually walking with God, walking with him in the garden. Um, we see Moses up on a mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, encountering the presence of God. And he came down from that mountain, changed forever. Um, we get a beautiful picture of what it's like to live in relationship with God as we look at David and everything that he poured out in the Psalms. And we see... Um, both the joy and the disappointment, uh, the grief, the sorrow, um, as well as repentance. You know, Solomon uh, wrote the, the Song of Songs, and in that we see a picture of a bride and a bridegroom in an intimate relationship, which is a picture of our relationship with God. Um, and in the book of Hosea, we see a picture of what it's like to be cheated on over and over by a spouse. Um, but for uh, the picture of God to, to love us, regardless of what our actions are, to be able to, to receive us back. Um, in the New Testament, we see some pictures of this as well. We see uh, the Apostle John, who described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. How about that for, uh, for an introduction? Who, who are you? Oh, I'm the disciple Jesus loves. That, that's who I am, right? Um, pretty impressive. Um, we see Mary uh, sitting at the feet of Je uh, Jesus. Um, while there's busyness going on around, um, but she's uh, in rapt attention of, of what Jesus is saying. You know, we even see Jesus himself, um, who insists on maintaining that, that connection with God the Father, um, separate himself from the crowd, separate himself from disciples, uh, go up on a mountain to get alone with God. And, and just reflecting on that, if, if Jesus himself needed alone time with God uh, to get through the day. How in the world do I think I'm going to get through the day uh, without spending that time with Jesus? So what does that look like? You know, having, having a relationship with God, having a relationship with Jesus um, starts when we acknowledge our sin and accept the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sins and ask for forgiveness. Um, it starts at the point of conversion. And if you haven't done that, I'd encourage you to do that today. Today is a day of salvation. But what do we do from that point on? How do we, how do we connect? What does a relationship look like? Well, like any, like any relationship, well, like any friendship, um, think about the things that you do with your friends. You spend time with your friends, right? You talk with your friends. Um, you do kind things for your friends, right? You, you reach out on their birthday, maybe you take them out for dinner. Um, you're attentive to their needs and, and what they might 
what they might want, and, and, and you try and serve them in ways that are meaningful to them. Well, the same thing happens in our relationship with God. Um, you know, we call this, um, we call this FaceTime. Um, some people call it devotion, some call it quiet time. Uh, but I like the term FaceTime because it, it emphasizes this opportunity, the opportunity that we have to become face-to-face, to come face-to-face with Jesus. And, and that's really the heart of that time. So whether it's, you know, starting out with a time of worship and allowing, uh, just listening to some songs and allow God to engage your heart as you spend some time with him, and then maybe move on to a time where you're looking through scripture and engage your mind and your intellect. Um, allow the Holy Spirit to interpret scripture um, to, to, to give you the truth of, of the word. But most importantly, I think, is that time of prayer. And not just a time where we pour out our list of wants and needs, but a time where we listen. We're a time where we open ourselves up to ask God, God, what do you want today? What do I need to hear? Um, what's something that you'd have me to do? What's on your heart today for the people around me? And I think that sets the stage then for an incredible relationship with Jesus, an opportunity to go on an adventure with him, um, where we spend time with him, the morning, with him in the morning, connect with him. And then throughout the day, we're listening to the Holy Spirit as he leads us and guides us. Well, that sounds great, right? And um, I've had a taste of it. Um, I'm sure many of you have as well. Um, but sometimes we, we falter in our consistency. Right. Has anybody ever faltered in their consistency with spending time with God? I know I have. You know, and as I was reflecting on that and just, just praying through uh, the topic today, um, you know, I felt like God was highlighting a couple of, a couple of obstacles that we, we run into when we're trying to spend time with him. And so I want to talk through those today. Um, three in particular. Um, we're going to be going to Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> and one of the things that... One of the things that keeps us from Jesus is our shame. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 through 8, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Wow, how many times is that my response, right? To hide from God when I've done something wrong. And and sometimes that can last hours. Sometimes it can last days. Sometimes it could last even longer. Um, you know, I think one of the things the enemy wants to do um, when, when we've sinned is to um, accuse us. Um, he's known as the accuser, right? And he accuses us not just on the, on the level of what we've done, but he starts to accuse us <clears throat> as to who we are. I think it's really important for us to separate guilt and shame. So if you don't get too many things out of this sermon, this is one thing I want you to get. Guilt condemns what we do. But shame condemns who we are. Shame is from the enemy, right? Guilt comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will convict us when we've sinned to get us back on the right track so that we can be in fellowship with Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. When we're convicted of our sin, we come to Jesus. We ask forgiveness. We renew that that connection that we have with him. But the enemy wants to use that sin 
to do far more damage than what the sin was in itself. He uses shame to attack us and says, um, you are not a child of God. God doesn't want you. He tells us lies about who God is. He tells us lies about who we are. And so when I see Adam and Eve and their response, they hid from God. And I recognize, you know what? That's, that's one of the things that keeps me from God sometimes. I've got to recognize um, the difference between guilt and shame, repent of my sin, and come back and reconnect with God. You know, in Romans 8, 1, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you have come into a relationship with Jesus, you are, you've been changed. You are a new creation, right? So let's live out of that identity. There is now no condemnation for you. Uh, repent of your sin and reconnect with God. All right, so that's one thing that keeps us from God, our shame. Um, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look at another thing that keeps us from God sometimes. Uh, and that's our busyness, right? Anybody else have a busy life? <laughs> so in Luke chapter 10, this is a story of uh, Mary and Martha. And starting in verse 38, <clears throat> it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who was at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So he's teaching, right? Jesus is in their home. He's teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I was kind of picturing this in, uh, in a life group setting, right? Um, here we are encountering the presence of Jesus and, and uh, maybe, you know, Jesus is really moving, the Holy Spirit's moving, and, and somebody gets up to run the vacuum cleaner, right, <laughs> to clean up a little mess in the, in the kitchen. Um, you know, and that's kind of the picture I see with Mary and Martha here, right? Um, the Son of God is in their home as a guest. What an amazing opportunity. And he's teaching, and, and Martha's running around, you know, cleaning up the house and maybe getting preparations for a meal. And it's not that those things were, were bad. It was just the timing of it, right? There was something to be chosen um, above the busyness. And that was time with Jesus. I read a book, um, I read a book one time called Prayer That Brings Revival um, by uh, David Yonggi Cho. Um, he's the pastor of the largest church in the world, uh, 750,000 members. Uh, in Seoul, South Korea. And, you know, he talked about, he talked about the power of prayer and he talked about the, the need to spend time with, with Jesus every day. He starts off his day every single day with two hours of prayer. Uh, and on his busiest days, he gets up an extra hour early to spend three hours in prayer um, because he knows that he can't do what he's being asked to do unless um, he's connected with Jesus. And again, I think, if a guy who's leading the, the largest church in the world can't get through the day without connecting with Jesus, how in the world do I think I can? Um, so despite all of our, all of our busyness, um, we need to find ways to connect with Jesus. You know, the other thing I think, too, is just one other observation on that point is that, you know, I think there's a tendency sometimes to get caught up in the actions of being a Christian. Um, and, and there's lots of good things that we can do. But if they're coming out of the flesh, 
they're coming out of my human need to try and meet a need rather than a Holy Spirit inspiration. You know, I wonder how much value those things have in the long run, right? When I get to eternity, is that gold, gold and silver and precious jewels or is that wood, hay and stubble? Um, I think in this instance, Martha, Martha's good works were probably wood, hay and stubble. Um, but I think connecting with Jesus was probably that gold that we all want. All right, so we've talked about shame as something that keeps us from Jesus. We've talked about busyness as something that keeps us from Jesus. Um, a third thing that can keep us from Jesus is pain. Uh, so we're going to go to John chapter 11, uh, starting with verse 32. And, and this entire chapter is such an interesting chapter. Um, Jesus is uh, preaching and teaching and he's working with some folks and um, he's got a great relationship with Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And, and word is sent to him to say that, hey, Lazarus is ill. Uh, come heal him. And Jesus hangs out where he's at for another couple of days. And you know, as he's talking with his disciples, it becomes clear that he knows that, that Lazarus is going to die and that he's going to raise him from the dead. Um, and so Jesus... Uh, finishes up what he's doing uh, with his ministry and makes his way uh, to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And we pick up the story in verse 32. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. You know, I think it's I think it's so interesting here because, you know, if we look at the heart of Mary's question, it's an accusation. Right. If you'd been here, Jesus, this wouldn't have happened. Right? Why didn't you do your part? Why weren't you here? In the middle of her pain, out comes that question. Why? 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 And I think what's so interesting is to take a look at how, at how Jesus responded in that moment. He knows he's going to do a miracle. Right? He knows that he's going to step in and he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. We see that from the earlier verses. But he stops. And he identifies with her pain, and he weeps. That, I think that tells me something about the heart of God, right? When we're in pain, when we're asking those why questions, um, I think we can see here as an example of what God's response to our pain is. So we've got a couple of guys that are going to come up um, and, and kind of give us a, a demonstration of this. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you a little bit. I'll share a little bit of my story. Some of you might have heard some of this before. Um, you know, my wife and I um, had lost six children to miscarriage, and very difficult time for us. Um, but after that, God had said that our family wasn't complete, and so we tried again, and we had a beautiful baby boy that was born to us in November of 2011. And uh, yeah, praise God. Um, and another one born after that, too. It was amazing. It was an amazing story there. Um, but after, after Katie was born, somebody came up to me and said, oh, look at that beautiful baby. God is so good. I said, yeah, God is good. And then I got to thinking about it afterwards. Wow. If God's good when the baby's born, what was God when the babies died? Right? Why? 
Why, why did we get pregnant in the first place if those babies were going to die? Why did it have to happen over and over and over again? And I was stuck in my pain. I was stuck in my pain. And there was distance between God and I. God gave me this picture. Uh, it was me uh, with the why questions um, as boxing gloves. And, and the Heavenly Father was standing there with his arms open. <laughs> and all I would do is I'd keep, I'd keep swinging. And I kept punching. Right? Why, God? Why, why, why? Right? But that didn't, that didn't, that didn't meet me at the pl- pl- place of my pain. <laughs> In the end, in the end, I had to drop. I had to drop those boxing gloves. I had to let go of my right to know why. I had to lay down that right, and I had to allow the heavenly Father to embrace me in my pain. Thanks, guys. You know, and God gave me that picture, and it was just so it was such a vivid picture. Um, the why questions, in many cases, have never been answered. They're still laying there on the stage somewhere, uh, and that's okay. You know, God gave, gave me some insight to say, hey, I'm an infinite God, and you're a finite being. I've got three-dimensional, four-dimensional, five-dimensional answers, and you've got a two-dimensional brain. You are never going to get it. You're never going to fully understand. You've got to be okay with that. But that doesn't mean I don't love you. Right? And when I was willing to lay down my right to the why questions, to answer to the why questions, and allow God to embrace me, the pain began to dissipate. Um, that healing process took a little while. Um, but it only came about when I was willing to set aside the pain and allow God to embrace me. So how does that impact us? You know, we, we've all admitted to you know, maybe struggling at times in, in connecting with Jesus um, on a regular basis, on a consistent basis. And, and we've talked about shame and busyness and pain being obstacles that sometimes keep us from God. And so sometimes coming out of a message like this, the, the thought is, well, all right, I got to suck it up and try harder, right? I just got to dig in. I just need more self-discipline. I just got to work harder at this. If I just work harder at this, maybe I can get it. But after trying and failing (laughs) many, many times, coming at it from that angle, um, I learned something that is counterintuitive. I learned something that is (coughs) revolutionary. Um, So this is the other piece that I want you to get out of this message. Action flows out of identity. Action flows out of identity. What we do flows out of who we are and who we believe God to be. And when we see see that our actions are out of alignment with God's best, it's best to look inward and say, "What, what lie am I believing about myself? What lie am I believing about God? Do I believe that God is an angry, judgmental, unforgiving, harsh God? Do I believe God is a lot like my earthly father, who wasn't a great father in some cases for some of you? What do I believe about myself? Do I believe that I'm a failure, a disappointment? Do I believe that I'm unlovable? Do I believe that I'm broken? 
Or do I embrace the truth of Scripture that says God is a good father, that he's happy, that he's loving, that he's a joyful companion, that he's a compassionate friend? Do I believe about myself that I'm a child of the king, a friend of God, a new creation, a conquering champion, that I'm royalty? What, what do I believe about myself when I see my actions that are out of alignment with God's best? Look inside at your identity. Look at what you believe about yourself. So many times I find that making an adjustment there, finding a lie that I'm believing there, um, once that gets cleared up, once I have the truth of Scripture, once I have truth from Jesus in that area, that I'm then, the actions will flow, the actions will follow. When pain was blocking my ability to connect with God, once that pain was uh, dealt with, I was able to reconnect. Because I want to be in God's presence, right? I want to be in an active relationship with God. That's where I come alive, right? He knows me. He loves me. Um, I want to go on an adventure with him. I don't want these, these obstacles to prevent me from entering into that relationship. So as I close, um, I guess just a couple of points. Um, you know, first off, again, let me go back to just that relationship with Jesus. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge your own inability uh, to connect with God and ask for his forgiveness. Um, he wants to connect with you today. Do you struggle to spend consistent time with Jesus? What's holding you back? Is it one of these things that we've talked about? Is it shame? Is it busyness? Is it pain? You know, ask Jesus today, even as we are closing out our service. Ask Jesus, Jesus, what's keeping me from you? He'll, he'll answer. He'll talk to you. If you need help with that, come forward. We'll have people that can pray with you and pray into that. You know, I came across a great book uh, years ago called Victory Over the Darkness. And uh, for those of you that have read it, um, what a tremendous book. And I actually took many of the verses and many of the statements about identity in that book and ended up writing out um, what I call my, my daily declarations. And on a regular basis, I will go through and I'll say things like, I'm a child of the king. I'm a friend of God. I'm a man of God. I'm faithful. I'm loved. I'm disciplined. These are all things that God has spoken over me. These are things that are in Scripture, truths of Scripture. But I need to be rooted in who I am. I need that truth to be spoken over me over and over and over again as I battle with the enemy and the lies that he might try and bring in. So I encourage you to do that. that and it's an awesome book. If, if identity is something that you're struggling with, Victory Over the Darkness is a tremendous book. Um, and lastly, I just ask, you know, are there some of you that are in pain? Are there some of you that are stuck today asking those why questions? Is it time for you to lay down those boxing gloves and allow God to just embrace you where you're at? Um, I'd encourage you to do that today. So um, I'm just going to pray for us. We're going to have a, a time of response. Uh, the worship band is going to close us out in song. We'll have the prayer teams come forward. Um, and if you need prayer today, um, please come forward um, and receive prayer. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for 
making us a new creation. Uh, thank you for adopting us as children into your family. Thank you that we now have an identity as children of the King, as royalty. Thank you that you are a Heavenly Father that loves us and loves us and loves us and loves us. God, I just ask today, if there's anyone that needs to step into a relationship with you, that they would do that today. And if there are those that, are, that find themselves far from you today, or more distant than they'd like, God, I just ask that you would help them break through um, and reconnect with you today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Yeah.